I got I got angry. I quit a podcast last night too, Josh. I it was a really busy non Mondays. I try to de you know try to exhale a little bit. Had the OUTCU game last night that triggered a lot of frustrations for people. But for me, Mondays when I don't have any XM shows, it's kind of a all right late night on Sunday. Early morning with the kids on Monday. Get to hang with you from nine to noon. My allergies have been lighting me up, so I was just like, "I'm ch- I'm going to get away from sports for a little." I got to find me a good murder mystery podcast. I got three episodes into a podcast and quit it last night. It's, and I was have it was like I was talking to it. It was like, "Listen, suspect, um, I I appreciate this story and I want to learn more about it, but don't politicize my murder mystery novels here, people. What are we doing right now?" I totally crashed after the OU game last night, Dude, which is done. Rare for me. Normally, normally I'm like done. You know, up past one o'clock a sure. lot of nights. But last night, it's like I was like sort of going in and out during the OU basketball game. And as soon as that went final, I said, "Yep, I'm out." Later, see you, peace. Game over. Well, we got everything from the top five stories today coming up in just a bit. But listen, I, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to spend some time here off the top in going through big story number one. And big story number one, of course, is recruiting signing day tomorrow. And, you know, obviously across the country, it's going to be a fascinating day because, I don't know, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but just as a general view, a, since the second or the first signing day has announced, since we've had like a, I mean, I don't know if you could say winner or winner, since we've had a second signing day, I don't feel like there's been a lot of juice for this second signing day. And I don't just mean it for Oklahoma. I mean, I, I, let me give you just kind of a behind-the-scenes background here for you. It's Plank Show, 10.06 on a Tuesday. We're live from OU. And typically, since the start of the December signing day, the second signing day, we don't do anything uh, at Sooner Vision. There might be, I know Tori Kukowski and, and E-Train, Eric Slife, and Matt Archibald do a ton of stuff on the digital side, but from just like a TV show, right? Basically, that second signing day, I don't even know, are we on the road anywhere tomorrow? I mean, his, the point is, historically, there's been nothing on the second signing day. And obviously, the whole world has changed for Oklahoma football fans, and really, to be honest, for college football fans, with all the coaching movement that has taken place, and maybe that's the reason why, but... I get the sense beyond just Brent Venables and what his staff is doing at Oklahoma. Josh, I get the sense there is a lot of buzz around this signing day. I think part of that, of course, is first year with this staff. I mean, we're just December 6th is when Brent Venables was hired at Oklahoma. So we're not even two months removed from Venables taking over. And, you know, kind of week by week after that, we sort of – have added different pieces to this Oklahoma staff, or I should say Venables has added pieces to this Oklahoma staff. So it's so fresh, and there were some defections from the head coaching change. So you're naturally maybe going to be more active trying to bring bodies into this football program. But uh, there's no doubt that heading into tomorrow, I mean, there's some excitement about potentially some players that Oklahoma can add to its 2022 class. Let me give you a for instance real quick. I was – John Garcia writes for uh, SI's college football page, and he put together a list, and I love these kind of lists. You know me. I'm a sucker for lists. Uh, 
top ten storylines as we head down the home stretch of the signing day cycle. And he he posted this late last night. And of the ten storylines, seven of them have to do essentially with coaches, right? And like for instance, the the Connerly signing, Josh Connerly, which Oklahoma's very much in the midst of. Well and and I guess what is Connerly's not is he the kid that's not going to sign until March? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's not making a decision tomorrow. Not signing tomorrow. So Connerly holding off was one. But then the Clemson close. Well, that's Dabo Sweeney. How does he affect things? How are things affected without his longtime defensive coordinator and his offensive coordinator and several key staff members? They've got a lot of guys they're in on right now. The Oklahoma close. The Miami close is mentioned here. The Florida close. The LSU close. Um, the Jim Harbaugh movement. I mean, there's even a Dion note in here because Deion Sanders is kind of messing around with uh, Sherman Stewart as a potential uh, – Shamar Stewart, excuse me, as a potential addition to Jackson State. I mean, everything appears to be centered around coaches trying to get some juice. And of those seven coaches that I mentioned, what, four are in new places and a fifth is trying to replace all of his assistants right now, essentially. Yeah, I know. Wild. Wild where we find ourselves with that. So I want to go in-depth on big story number one on all these storylines and what they mean. But let's go player by player here real quick, Josh, and just kind of talk about and go go in detail as to where we think Oklahoma currently is. And I have my – let's make sure I give – I have my at OU crystal ball up and ready to help me out on this front. I have Sooners Wire – and I have a dude that's been covering this as closely as he possibly can with Josh Helmer. So you ready to go in-depth on this list? Let's do this thing. Devin Campbell, offensive lineman, top 10 prospect in this recruiting class. In fact, if you look at his 24-7 profile, six foot three, 310-pound, big offensive tackle. He's out of Arlington, Texas. Every crystal ball, including Colin Kennedy's and Brandon Drums, has him projected to go to Texas. Seems like the ultimate landing spot here, Josh, but what kind of chance do the Sooners have to snag a dude from south of the Red River? I think he's going to sign with Texas tomorrow. I I wonder if this is a case where sort of the family is more sold on Texas and maybe Campbell, if, uh, if it was solely – his decision would wind up at Oklahoma, but I, I think tomorrow we're gonna we're gonna see him sign with Texas. Okay. Um, whenever you have all of the everyone that's projecting him to Texas, that's not a good sign. All right. So do we cross him off then? Yeah, I, I think you probably okay. do. I mean, I, I would imagine that Oklahoma's making every last effort that they possibly can with a Campbell today. But uh, I'd be surprised if – I mean, that'd be a huge surprise sure. for Oklahoma if uh, they win that recruitment. I, I don't think that one happens. Okay. Let's shift to a guy in Josh Connerly Jr. that we know isn't making his decision until March. OU is competing with Miami, Washington, Michigan, Oregon, and USC. It would arguably be one of their biggest offensive line recruiting wins in a while. Interestingly enough, 
the six foot five, two hundred and eighty three pound Connerly has been projected by some to end up in Michigan. In fact, the crystal ball predictions on OE on twenty four seven sports were split fifty fifty with Michigan or Washington. But it appears as if Miami, Oklahoma, Oregon, and USC have made a late push with apparently Washington waning, but he's going to wait and let this play out a little bit, right? Not signing tomorrow. He he will be a March signee when it all ends. I think something we've talked about this morning, Jim Harbaugh's future, if he's not at Michigan, does that maybe – I mean, that you would have to think would right. open the door wide open for everybody else in this recruitment here for Josh Connerly. And, and maybe that's part of his thinking in, in pushing this thing off a little bit. Sooner's visit for Connerly was great by all accounts. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't say that he's going to, in March right now, sign with Oklahoma. I would say wait and see with this. I wouldn't say that it's totally done, but I definitely don't view Oklahoma as a favorite here. All right, so we've talked two dudes. We've talked two offensive linemen. Let's shift to an edge rusher who is currently committed to Iowa State, and that's R. Mason Thomas. Uh, described as a late bloomer, 6'2", 215. He's a three-star prospect now, Cardinal Gibbons High School. But suddenly, you've got Oklahoma, you've got Miami, who have started to kind of inch into the conversation a little bit. He's stayed pretty strong to Iowa State. What's the possibility that Oklahoma can avoid a late push by Miami and get our Mason Thomas end up as a Sooner? I mentioned 6'2", 215. I think there's a good chance. I, th- I think there's a good chance. I'm not totally locked in on R. Mason Thomas picking OU, though Parker Thune all the way back on December 19th was someone that flipped his crystal ball prediction from Iowa State to Oklahoma. A couple of other 247 sports insiders did as well, sort of followed Parker's lead on flipping his prediction from Iowa State to Oklahoma. I'm going to say there's a chance for our Mason Thomas tomorrow, but not not as 100% confident as some of the other names you're about to mention. Like his high school teammate, Amon Moten, who is currently not committed. He's a three-star prospect, six foot three, 290 pounds, at a Cardinal Gibbons High School as well, Fort Lauderdale, projecting as a defensive lineman. 17 stops last year in eight games. Um, Cardinal Gibbons won a state title with him, that defensive line rotation. And as you know, we mentioned, a high school teammate of R. Mason Thomas visited in January. So he's been at Oklahoma since Brent Venables was hired. And it looks, Josh, like Miami is yet another com- potential competitor for Ahmad Moten. But he is crystal balled to Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I think Moten's going to wind up at OU, which I guess you start thinking about the Cardinal-Gibbons connection. I mean, maybe. That that would be a good question for Parker today. Are Mason Thomas and Ahmad Moten, is that a package deal situation? Gotcha. Wherever they wind up, are they going to the same school? Because here I say I feel pretty confident about Ahmad Moten, but not as confident about R. Mason Thomas. Not ruling it out. And yet you've got a couple of guys that, 
are high school teammates. So you would think that, yeah, the, the decision for one probably going to factor into the other, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, we've got three more guys left here to break down. Grayson Halton. Yes, Oklahoma. Slam dunk, right? Um, I think so. Seems like a rock star, four-star prospect, 6'3", 270 pounds, edge guy. Um, again, you're in a situation where you are competing with Miami, had been a long-time commit to Oregon, recently came off that projection, um, four five nine shuttle, 33-inch vertical, um, and I've seen, I've seen 6'3", 270, I've seen 6'4", 250, but it seems across the board he's going to announce on CBS Sports tomorrow, but it seems across the board that insiders have moved towards him ending up at Oklahoma, right? Slam dunk. Yeah, this is Oregon decommitment, Grayson Halton. That happened just last week, and he was starting to get some crystal balls thrown the direction of Oklahoma before the decommitment. Then you see the decommitment from Oregon. I mean, I think the writing is on the wall here. Grayson Halton is signing with Oklahoma tomorrow. Uh all right, we talked a little bit about Kevontae Henry a little bit earlier in the show, back in hour number one, 6'4", kid, 225 pounds. Again, committed to Michigan back in June of 2021. So he's been a longtime Michigan commit. But suddenly, Josh, there is a lot of buzz about Arizona. In fact, two crystal ball projections, including Steve Wiltfong, the national OU, I keep saying OU insider, 24-7 sports guy, he's projected a Cavante Henry to Arizona. Meanwhile, on three, has projected Henry to Oklahoma. So where do we stand here and what might happen tomorrow with Cavante Henry? I'm going to say that probably it's Arizona, but – we got ourselves a good old-fashioned 247 Sports on three battle, do we not? Oh, it doesn't get much better than this, right? head-to-head. <laughs> One says Arizona, that's 24-7 Sports, on three says Oklahoma. And we'll wrap quickly with the seven names to keep an eye on tomorrow with Jamarian Burton. He is, he is a guy who was once a Florida commit, kind of like Nick Evers and Jaden Gibson, backed off that. Now he's back in the market. He's listed as an athlete, but it seems as if cornerback is the position he could end up, according to what you guys wrote over at SoonersWire.com. Steve Wiltfong has put in a very high confidence prediction of Jamarian Burt to end up at Oklahoma. What, what do we know about Jamarian Burt, Josh, and how are you feeling about the Os Osala, Florida product out of Forest High School, 6'1", buck seventy-five. I think he, with Halton, that's the two that you feel really confident about signing with Oklahoma tomorrow. So, good defensive back, depth to add. Uh, obviously, uh, that, that's been kind of an area of emphasis. I know this past weekend really took a deep dive at all of the different edge and defensive line offers that Oklahoma has sent out since Brent Venables became the head coach, which, yes, you can check that out at SoonersWire.USAToday.com. And the other one is kind of defensive back, Plank, where Oklahoma's really these last several weeks dialed it in and started sending out offers left and right, and I think they're landing one tomorrow here with Burt. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. I love that we're, we're fired up about signing day t tomorrow. 
I love it. I miss, you know, the, the early signing days taking away a lot of the juice. What are we in, like, year five of the of the early signing period? Um, and it's always kind of been a pain in the backside. Maybe it's year four, I don't know, because it, it always seemed to happen whenever Oklahoma was playing in the Big 12 championship game, and there's always challenges, and then, you know, you want everyone in in – on campus early, in the off-season workouts, getting ready for kickoff. And so February, kind of meh, maybe you have one or two guys. I mean, I just listed seven dudes there. Add the Gavin Freeman pledge. Add Gentry Williams. Add the potential of the punter, Brady Brown. And, I mean, listen, they're not going to get all seven guys that we just mentioned, or at least we don't expect them to. But that's ten more dudes that we've just mentioned right there. And let's just be conservative, Josh. Let's say of those seven, Oklahoma gets four of them. Oh, that'd be fantastic. It'd be a so, coup. So then you're having a February signing period where we're talking about seven guys. That's amazing. We need to probably revisit the signing day press conference from Brent Venables when he was asked, hey, okay, what's the plan here for – this February signing day, and he said, yeah, we're going to keep looking to add guys. And clearly, via the transfer portal, I mean, you almost, with Oklahoma, it's not just the signing day tomorrow. It's the Jonah Laulas of the yes. world. It's the Jeffrey Johnsons of the world. It's the three defensive backs, Kenai Walker, C.J. Colden, and Trey Morrison that Oklahoma has added. I mean, they have been – uh, McCade Matalier, they have added a lot of players to this roster. Daniel Parker Jr., I mean, the list, it's like on and on and on, the players that they've added since that initial signing day back in uh, mid-December. All right, so we'll take a timeout. When we come back, listen, let's get caught up. Uh, I-, I wanted to take some time. I feel like on this show, Josh and I will end up getting so caught up in wanting to you know, talk about some NFL stuff and wanting to get caught up in the games from last night. I figured we'd take like 10, uh, we ended up taking 20 good minutes and just really giving you the targets that Oklahoma is looking at and what could end up happening come tomorrow. So it's a plank show from campus. There you go. Who said Cowboys don't cry? Dude, this song rocks. I don't know what it's about. I, I, I don't know if there's undertones to this, but I'm a fan. So let it rock you to the break. It's the Plank Show. We did come to a mutual agreement here on the Plank Show that we have not yet dove into the hoops performance from last night. The, is, there, is there much more we need to add? Boy, TCU's just a thorn in our backside right now. They're playing pretty good ball. Yes, uh, the team that not a couple of weeks ago I said on this radio show, well, they're probably the worst team in the Big 12 Conference. <laughs> now they've skunked OU. Twice. Uh, we'll hear a little bit from Porter Moser in the top five stories of the day coming up after the top of the hour. But here's the latest from Bracketology. There are currently seven Big 12 teams in Joe Lenardi's recent bracket. Tied for the most with the Big Ten, Big East, and SEC. The ACC currently only four teams. Oklahoma is among those seven teams right now. But 
at a nine seed. That is a nine. 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 So I was talking with the guys in back. Uh, they're not yet in that group of eight, which is like the last four buys and the last four in. So that's good. And we know in every game that they play the rest of the season, they're likely going to be in a quad one, if not a quad two situation, right? Um, the Oklahoma State game this weekend, I think, since it's on the road, where is Oklahoma State in the net It's in rankings? Stillwater. Yep. Stillwater on Saturday, no, 11 no. o'clock tip. I meant where they are in the net rankings. I'm sorry. Let's see. Oklahoma State. Let's see. They're Yeah, they're top 60. So it's not quite a quad one. <laughs> it's quad two, though. Top 60 team on the road. By the way, somebody texted and asked yesterday, okay, quad one, quad two, I keep hearing that. What does that mean? Oh, it's a very good question. Um, in fact, I ask myself that question a lot. So in my myriad of notes here, I actually wrote it down so I would always be able to answer that question succinctly. Um, quad one wins. Toby knows this. Here you go. Quad one wins is when you beat a team, and there's three different levels to it. Well, actually, I'm sorry, the Oklahoma State win would be a quad one win. because It's on quad, the road. Right. So quad one win at home is a team that's anywhere from 1 to 30 in the net. So if you beat a, a top 30 team at home, you get a quad one win. If it's a neutral site, they've got to be ranked anywhere from 1 to 50. Road is 1 to 75. So when you go on the road in the Big 12 play, you are playing quad one competition now that Kansas State is 75th in the net rankings. How about that? <laughs> Barely. And essentially, essentially a quad one is just a way to where the NCAA, and I don't know, you know, I'm not the smartest guy when it comes to the net formula, Josh, but it's just a way to go beyond 800 different magical mathematical formulas and a lot of things are taken into consideration the Ken Palms of the world the, the SAG the um, RP, it, it, it's, it's the new RPI yes, is the best correct. way to put it the selection committee for the NCAA tournament for years and years and years you'd see okay here's our blind resume test right. here's school A here's school B and boom they'd uh, they'd have all you know a bunch of different uh, wins over Top 30 teams in the RPI or Correct. a record against this this amount of teams, uh, top 50 RPI opponents, RPI of said Team A, and compared against Team B and Team C, whoever. And what the ratings percentage index used to be is now what the net rankings is today. So when we say quad one win, that's that's as good as it's going to get in yeah. terms of wins that you can collect. Quad two, second. Second as good of it's going to get criteria, quad three, quad four. So when the NCAA tournament selection committee is trying to determine, okay, where should we seed a team? Should a team be in our our bracket of 68? This is the criteria that they're looking at to judge teams against other teams. I don't know if this includes last night. I was just looking at the net rankings. So Oklahoma on the season, yes, it does. Oklahoma sitting at 13-9 and nine on the season. They dropped six spots after their loss last night. They're still a top 40 team, but in their quad one opportunities this season, they're just three and six. 
And last night was not one of those. Last night was their second quad two loss of the season. So you're going to have plenty of opportunities. It's what the and, and and listen, I'm not a I'm not a college basketball crazy. I, I I can't sit here. I'm not a Jay Billis. I'm not a T Row. I can't. Boy, Toby's probably really mad at me that I put him and Jay Billis in the same phrase. But I mean, I I just I I don't think that you know it's it's this staggering thing across the board that is universally accepted. And it was, oh, the net is great. I still think there's a lot of debate and discussion about what's right and, and what's fair. All right. Hey, do you want to get True Sooner in here? Let's do just that. 1033 on a Tuesday. What's up, True? How's it going, guys? Good, man. How are you? Oh, I was just wondering a couple of things I was going to ask you. this. I know you guys aren't the recruiting gurus on the station or anything, but what do they think an OU is going to finish if they get – if they get the guys they think they're going to get tomorrow, are they are they talking about around eighth in the country possibly? I can do a little little math for you and try and figure that out. I saw Jalen Ross on Twitter uh, earlier today. Had actually that's exactly where Oklahoma was was at number eight in the most recent projections. So, yeah, um, I think you, I think you're right. I know we're all homers here. I mean, I, you know, I'm the biggest homer in the world. But I mean, could you have imagined these two months going any better than they have? No. I mean, I mean, if you had a scale of one to ten, I mean, this had to be a ten. I mean, considering what happened, I mean, I can't imagine it being any disappointments at all in this for what they had to recover from in the last two months. I mean, when you see other teams working all year. And, and, you know, I, I realize the stars aren't everything. I get all that. But, but that's all we got to go on at this point. And, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, just, I just can't imagine it going any better. Um, I, I will say more than anything else, um, I say it as I give that horrible kind of precursor to it. True, what you just said is something that I have said so many times times that people are tired of hearing it and here's the thing when I do when I do a conference when I do my show like on Sunday nights with Arnie right when I do my Sunday night show when I do my show with non-recruiting guys or people that don't follow it like we do they still don't get it right all they see is well Lincoln Riley's got that five-star quarterback coming in in two years I mean that's and, and I think you know, outside of our college football bubble, which is, guys, incredibly small, I still think the rest of the country does not see how, in- nor do they want to do the work, nor will they do the work to truly see what's going on here. They're smart people. The Andy Staples of the world, he sees it. Uh, I saw Dennis Dodd write about it the other day. They see it. They get it. They know what's going on here. This is borderline unparalleled. What has happened with yeah. how Brent Venables and this staff have been able to keep Any, this group together? Anytime I've seen something like this happen before, usually the team drops off recruiting-wise for a year. I mean, it wouldn't have been shocking to see OU finish at 25 this year and 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 start working on basically go, let's just keep what we can together, and then basically let's see what we can put together for next year. But the fact they improved on what, you know, Lincoln left us with is just, it's, it's shocking to me because I, you know, I've followed this stuff for a long time. Not that I'm, you know, a recruiting guy or nothing, but I've, I've listened to you guys and, and all the guys on the market. And I mean, this, to me, this is shocking. I was, I was going to ask you one more thing. Go ahead. I know you're, it's, it's kind of off track, but what do you think about Josh McDaniels being hired? Because mm-hmm. the first thing I thought of 
and you may have already touched on this as a Raider fan, was I, I'm kind of excited about it. I, I, I think they should have given uh, – I never can think of the guy's Rich name. Rich Basaccia. Yeah, Basaccia. I, I think he deserved to get the chance. But, I mean, I'm kind of excited about it. We're, and I'll take it off here. I know you guys got a million things, but I just wanted to ask you what you thought about it. So, Josh and I – like, let's – let's. It, it's already 10.37. Let me, let me tease that for after the break. And I have used the class calculator, by the way, so we can – Break okay. that down. Yeah, let's do it next. Um, hour two of the Plank Show brought to you by Allison Insurance. So we've teased two things for next segment, which I've written down so I don't forget. Number one, thoughts on Josh McDaniels. Number two, Josh breaking down the class calculator to tell us where, oh, where the Sooners might end up come tomorrow in the Rivals on three and 24-7 sports recruiting rankings. It's the Plank Show right here on the Raft. All right, we're on the road today at OU, deep within the bowels of Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. It's the Plank Show along with Josh Helmer. Hour 2 brought to you by Allison Insurance. All right, let's pay off our two teases. Josh, you first. You started diving into the numbers on what the Cruton class might look like for Oklahoma. If uh, I don't know who you decided to go with and who you didn't decide to go with. Well, I can uh... – Tell you who I decided to go with. I like it. I added in Grayson Halton, Ahmad Moten, and Jamarian Burt. And based on my calculations, Oklahoma would be eighth in the 247 sports okay, so right team where, recruiting rankings. Right now, where Sooner thought. Okay, go ahead. Keep this in mind, though. That's not adding players in for Michigan right. or North Carolina, right. who Oklahoma would be leapfrogging. Under that scenario. So my thought process is they're probably going to finish right about where they're at. Uh, where, where are they at on, on three? They're, oh, on three. Okay, let me look at on three. I think they're ninth over there. I mean, they're going to be about ninth or tenth, which, hey. Bravo. Given where this thing maybe could have wound up at, it, it has been a heck of a recruiting job from the day that – well, the weeks leading up to Brent Venables getting hired through Brent Venables first weeks on the job up until now what tomorrow will be, which is basically the end of the 2022 class. Although we're waiting on now Josh Connerly as well. I mean, basically tomorrow's probably the end of the 2022 signing class for Oklahoma. So it has been a tremendous, tremendous job from the Sooners. Did you, did you see where USC was with its eight signees? According to on three, they're fifty second, one spot below Jackson State. Yeah, but did did you see where we're at in the transfer portal rankings? <laughs> we haven't even gotten Caleb Williams yet. We'll get Caleb Williams. That's fine. I just I, I I've now reached that point of petty to where every single time I look at a recruiting ranking, I look to see where USC is too. <laughs> They'll be better in the Good. future. I like that. Welcome to the club. I can't wait because there's going to be. I can't wait to see some of those one-on-one battles, right? Whenever you get a guy and USC, for, you know, just to be fair here, they're projected for the class of 2023 right now at number five, which, by the way, is in a tie with Texas Tech. Tech already has nine guys committed, uh, but that'll change, you know, as we get closer. Oh, you only has three commits for the class of 2023, so we'll we'll see how it pans out. But yeah, fascinating times. All right, Josh McDaniels. New head coach of the Raiders, David Ziegler, their new general manager. Let's see, I pulled some audio. Here's one thing that I liked quite a bit. This is David Ziegler 
Josh and I are, are um, tied in, in, in many ways in, in our vision of how to build a team and, and, and our vision of what we want um, in terms of the players that we bring into the building is very is very connected. But at the end of the day, when it's time to make decisions um, at, on personnel, while we'll work together, you know, those final decisions will be, be made by me. I, I'm clapping again. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I thought Mark Davis for – for both of the diehard Raider fans that are listening right now, I'm really super serving a niche audience right now, Casey, Brian, I apologize. Uh, but for all two of the Raiders fans that are tuned in, I thought one of the most fascinating things yesterday in that press conference, Josh, was Mark Davis going through his past failures. And I thought, I like Mark Davis a lot, man. I want to go hang with him. Um, I want to take him to my, my barber and have him fix his hair. I like Mark a lot. But... He, he I, I just think, I think he's a likable dude. And when he went through the, their mistakes, he said, listen, when I took over, I wanted to bring in a general manager because, you know, my dad, we didn't really have one whenever Al was here. And we brought in Reggie, and I let Reggie pick the coach. And I wanted them to have that synergy. But unfortunately, Reggie is a GM and Dennis Allen is a coach. It didn't work. They were too young. They didn't understand it. And he goes, then I, you know, then I picked a coach, and I really liked the coach. And Unfortunately, you know, it, 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 it worked, but he had eyes for John Gruden, and so he brought in Gruden and Mayock, and he used the term Rocky to describe it. And so now you go find a guy in a general manager that you trust, that has a clear vision, you go hands off, you let him pick his coach, you give him all the resources they need, and you get out of the way. And I think that's what Mark Davis is doing. Uh, and I know Bronco fans had a reaction to this, but I thought it was really good when Josh McDaniels talked about his mistakes in, in Denver. I've really had an opportunity to grow as a person, as a coach, as a man, and try to figure out, you know, after my experiences uh, in Denver and, and St. Louis, what I wanted to represent and how I would lead the next time if I, if I got another opportunity uh, to be a head coach. And he's got it. So we'll see. I know everyone then immediately is like, what's up with Derek Carr? What's your plan with Derek Carr? Here's what McDaniel said. There's no question that um, we have the capacity and capability of winning uh, with Derek here. Uh, we all know that. And I look forward to the challenge of trying to grow uh, not only Derek, but, you know, everybody on the roster to try to reach our potential. Yeah, they were very, what's the term I'm looking for, Josh? Kind of a soft commit to that. There wasn't a lot of, yeah, that's our guy, let's go. It's very, very calculated in kind of the terms that they use. But it appears as if, it appears as if it's a good fit. So, I like it. I told you, Josh and I joked, whenever McDaniel's name was, I was, tra- I was texting my buddy Robbie DeRossett up in Tulsa about it. Uh, when he was first announced, I wasn't all that in, but I said, give me like two days and I'll be all about it. And oh, yeah. That's, exa- that's exactly oh, yeah. That's what happens with any fan, right? Oh, I can't believe we hired that guy. Why would we hire him? Then after the press conference and after a day, you're like, man. Yeah, he's got some good dude, ideas, though. This I dude mean, is awesome. He's grown a lot yeah, since so Denver. Yeah, so count me that group. I'm a, I'm a sucker. Plank's a sucker. You give me anything Raiders related, I'm a sucker. Isn't that right, Allison? I'm a sucker. Give me anything that would make me feel like I've got a chance for my team to be good. I am a sucker. So welcome to – I'm Suckersville. Population me. Let's go, Josh McDaniels. All right, you all can come back now because when we come back, we owe you some reactions from the OU-TCU game. Top five stories today will now shift to 11 a.m. Thanks to K.J. Kindler for kicking off the show with us. Uh, he's Josh Elmer. I'm Chris Plank. Your calls at 329-9000, 405-329-9000 right here on The Ref. Hey, is uh, 
Is Groundhog's Day still a thing or not? I thought, oh, it's tomorrow. Okay. February 2nd. Boy, what a day tomorrow. Huh? Big day. Groundhog's Day? (laughs) Still an underrated movie, right? Groundhog's Day. No doubt. Phil? (laughs) Uh, Again, we were talking about this yesterday. It's not time for movie radio, people. Listen. Radio producers, fellow talk show hosts. Save the top five movie conversations, favorite sports movies, till June and July. All right? It gets much more barren from a topic conversation than what we're in the midst of right now. It's my advice to you. Well, I saw this tweet making the rounds. It's like, uh, what movie can you react? All right, let's go to the What's your favorite movie? 405-329-9000. Save it. you got plenty of time this summer where you're going to be dying for content. Though I do believe if we made it through doing a sports show during a pandemic when there were no sports, Josh, I feel pretty good about our chances to fill three hours. Oh during man, the some of those shows though. <laughs> They're not going on resume reels. Let's well, just what do you think? Uh, when is the NBA season going to start? Well, what do you think? What about the National Football? League? I got to be honest though. I, I think about that a lot. And I'm grateful for people like Patty Gasso who gave us time whenever we could. You know, we had to do uh, we had to do some remote shows. I was grateful for all the interviews, but then I look back and I realize we didn't really have anything to talk about. <laughs> I mean, no, do nada. You, do you remember? I mean, you guys did an awesome job at Sooner Sports d- digging up and and you know putting those well debates, yes, yeah, but putting you know old broadcasts together. That's I mean, right. we're talking about. Games that happened, you know, five, ten plus years ago. I like, well, let's look at the stat sheet from twenty-seven years ago. I specifically remember when we were only a two-hour show that we—that's when we did the film show of. I want to say I, I distinctly remember, and I can't remember if it was the two thousand OU Texas game because there was a span there. It was like two thousand and two thousand three, one where they were both just blowouts. Right, 2000 was a Quentin Griffin game, and like, because 2001 was the Teddy game, and like either two or three was an absolute route. And I remember we came back, and we did a whole show on that game. <laughs> we went back, and we did shows on, was this the moment when Oklahoma football turned the corner? Let's go to the phones. Three two nine nine thousand. <laughs> All right, we got breaking news, Josh Elmer, and I don't think that it would be too shocking to many but I know that it will be very frustrating for some where Caleb Williams has announced that he is transferring to USC to join Lincoln Riley per Pete Thamel. He is expected in class at USC today. So in other words, this has been a story that has been in the works for a while. Williams told ESPN, and I quote, I wanted to go somewhere I thought would provide me the best development fit, uh, both on and off the field. Getting to know Coach Riley and gaining familiarity with his offense definitely played a part in my selection, as well as already knowing some some of the guys on the team. They missed a letter there. Ugh. Um, I want to get to work right away, earn the trust of my teammates, win championships, and help bring USC back to being a top-rated program. Huge cue for Lincoln. 
Um, Caleb added, honestly, this was a huge decision, and we wanted to weigh all of our options and see what school would be would best prepare me for the next level. USC obviously had a great football history when it comes to national championships and Heisman winners, but aside from football, the school itself in the city gives me a chance to really seek out and explore other interests I have off the field. So there you go. Breaking news. Caleb Williams officially to USC. We'll react next.